the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finn, and we've got a great show for you. We are in the month of Adar, which is the month of Purim. This year, there are two Adars. And it says, When Adar comes in, we increase in joy. So we'll be playing some very joyous stuff throughout the show. In this half hour of the show, we'll be featuring an interview with Rich Davis, who is at the forefront of the anti anti mouse controversy which we talked about a little bit last week and we're going to bring this to the forefront mouse being of course art spiegelman's uh classic uh, holocaust novel at graphic novel at the bottom of the show we'll be talking about uh, the last second half hour we'll be talking about the parsha of titzave purim cutting is this week there's a wonderful story that goes with Purim. And before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. We've got some responses to Amnesty International calling Israel an apartheid state. Israeli Arab member of Knesset said Israel is not an apartheid state, but there is room for improvement, which is probably true everywhere. U.S. Ambassador to Israel Thomas Nide said the report is absurd that it's not language that we have used nor will we use, unquote. And the Anti-Defamation League, IDL, condemned the report, calling it an effort to demonize Israel and undermine its legitimacy as a Jewish and democratic state. In other news... An IDF post near Nablus was attacked by a drive-by shooting. No Israelis casualties were reported. In acts of anti-Semitism around the world, 
Last Sunday in Chicago, two synagogues were spray-painted with swastikas. The front windows of two groceries were smashed, and a religious Jewish man was attacked in broad daylight. Police arrested the attacker and the spray-painters. And a Nazi march was held in downtown Fort Lauderdale, and nobody seemed to do anything about it, even amongst protests. Some interesting news. This follows up with a, an interview I had a long time ago with uh, Howard Lupovich. Winchester, a city near London, England, that preceded London as its capital, plans to unveil a statue honoring Licaricia of Winchester, a Jewish woman who ran a successful business and raised her children there until her murder in 1277. Her death eventually led to the expulsion of Jews from England for 400 years. And in our final piece of news this week, Belgian armed forces bought anti-tank missiles from Israel's subsidiary company. The $22 million contract will supply man-portable anti-tank weapons. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Shulfman, here you're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have on the line Mr. Rich Davis. He's the proprietor of Nirvana Comics in Knoxville, Tennessee. He's at the heart of, I mean, I don't know what part of the body you would put him out of the whole mouse book banning controversy that's going on down there. How are you today, Rich? I'm doing well, sir. Hope you are. Good. Thank God. Thank you so much. Okay. So we actually brought up this uh, topic just briefly last week when it first hit the fan or the press. As we had last week's guest was, was Ken Krimstein, who wrote a graphic novelette, a series of graphic novelettes called When I Grow Up. It was, uh, you can listen to the show. When you're listening to your, your show, you can listen to the one before. Um, and I highly okay. recommend that you carry it in your store. It's sort of like a, okay. a, a partner to it. It's called When I Grow Up. Um, and it's they discovered in, 19, in 2018 a trove of essays that were diaries of various teenagers who were trying to compete for a monetary prize. And the prize mm-hmm. was to be rewarded on the day that, the, that it happened to be that the Germans invaded Poland and they these things just got put into an archive and hidden someplace and they were actually discovered in the wall, oh, wow. in the wall of a church and and Mr. Crimson who is a uh, New Yorker uh, cartoonist he set it as up as each one as a graphic novel amazing book wow anyway so we brought up this idea because the thing with mouse had happened like the day before and he we, we discussed it and so if but we didn't go into details so if you could just give us some of the details rich as to uh, what is going on in Tennessee 
<laughs> so many things, my friend, so many things. But for this specific conversation, um, the McMinn County school system, which is a county that neighbors uh, my hometown, Knoxville, Tennessee, um, they received complaints from about five of their uh, constituents um, about the book Mouse because it used, in their terms, vulgar language and depicted a uh, woman's breasts. Um, and so the school board uh, panicked, as they often do, and as we, frankly, are like to do these days. One person can tweet one opinion, and suddenly that's the gospel um, because people overreact to it without ever actually looking into the substance of what's going on. And that's what the Mittman County School Board uh, did. Um, the chair of the school board uh, was questioned by the media, and um, he admitted that only a fraction of the people on the school board had ever that had actually bothered to read Mouse, which personally I found that offensive and probably one of the most troubling aspects of this because I think if a governing body is going to take the extreme action to ban a work of art, then the, the, those doing the banning at least owe it to their constituents to read the material. So, um, yeah, so Tennessee has kind of become the epicenter for, uh, for banned books right now. And, um, we are doing everything we can to counter that. Okay, we're going to, we're going to talk about that soon. Let's let's go just give a general picture. If you could describe the demographics of your area of Tennessee, the only thing that I heard is that 80% of the population voted for Trump in the last presidential election, which says a lot right there. But mm-hmm. uh pre, is there any first of all, how many Jews do you think live in the county where this uh banning occurred? I know there are Jews in Knoxville, there's a Chabad house there. There's mm-hmm. a rabbi who I happen to know there in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. So tell us, tell us about the people in Knoxville, and then the, like their general demeanor. I mean, I, we have this uh, vision of the the friendliness of the South, but there's also this um, this is my turf, and we're, there's like a, a certain stereotypic xenophobia also. So what's mm-hmm. it like? What's it like in your part of the world? You know, where I live in Knoxville and most of the urbanized and even the suburban areas of Tennessee uh, are very, um, they're very liberal, um, well, comparatively. Um, For the South, the larger cities tend to be very liberal. They, you know, wouldn't be as liberal as, say, San Francisco or New York or Boston, something like that. But um, it's really a, it's more diverse here than you might think at first glance. Um, you know, the, the South is not a homogenous voting block. Um, you know, yes, 80% of the people in Tennessee did vote for uh, Donald Trump, but there are, um, there, there's a myriad of different political views. You know, we have classical liberals here. We have progressives here. We have traditional moderate Republicans here. And then we have a lot of extreme uh, right-wingers as well. Um, so, you know, Tennessee can be a volatile place politically, but I, I don't think that's a bad thing because um, at least the, uh, the ideas are being brought out into the, uh, into the open marketplace for people to 
to hear and consume and, you know, hopefully make uh, their own informed decisions. Okay. So the, um, if you could remind me the name of the county where this, uh, this happened. McMinn. McMinn. Okay. I'm sure there's a, there was, mm-hmm. there was a Mr. McMinn probably from sometime before the civil war who property that was, and then hence it's called McMinn County. So <laughs> probably so and the capital is McMinnville. So the, uh, the county seat is in McMinnville. So yeah. Probably. Yeah. So, okay. So the generally speaking, what's the attitude of the McMinn County there, because there is this wave going across uh, the United States of censoring teachers and mm-hmm. what was really Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter they're not allowed to talk about in school, and LBTGQ they're not allowed to talk about. What's the what's the general <laughs> consensus of of teachers and and allowing teachers to teach in in McMinn County? It's a pretty um, it's a pretty contentious uh, relationship. Um, I think recent years have empowered a lot of people to have a lot of uh, a lot of a lot more reach than they would have in the past. And so I think with things like Twitter, um, it, it provides an opportunity for one or two or three people to come together and look like a major movement. The, to be perfectly honest, most people that I've encountered in the South, and I, I grew up here, I grew up in Tennessee, I moved around um, when I was in the film business, um, settled in North Carolina, came back to Tennessee. So I'm fairly familiar uh, with the Southern culture. And in the South, I think people are more open to uh, allowing people to have their own opinions and their own ideas. Um, it's really a kind of leave me alone. I'll do what I do. You do what you do and we're all fine. Um, uh, that's kind of the mentality here, but I think a lot of the, um, contention comes because, uh, the government or, or the, what they see as the government is trying to either censor or indoctrinate depending on which side of the argument you land on. Um, and so that kind of causes even reasonable people to dig their heels in because they don't like being told what to do. Um, and so a lot of people here believe that things like critical race theory and, um, you know, and other kind of hot button topics, a lot of the people here believe that those, um, uh, those are being artificially imposed on them, uh, rather than allowing, uh, free and open discussion. Okay, our guest today is Rich Davis. He's got a place called Nirvana Comics in Knoxville. He's at the heart of, instead of calling it the anti-anti-mouse movement, we're going to call it the pro-mouse movement. So <laughs> so they, they banned the book in this county, which yeah. means that they're not, going to, they're not going to teach it in school anymore. Now, this is just a, let's back up a half a second. Tennessee is one of, I believe, 18 or 22 states that does have a mandated Holocaust curriculum for its students. They want mm-hmm. people to learn about what happened to the the Jews in 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 Europe in the 1940s, which itself is already it's like wow, that's pretty that's pretty amazing, pretty cool. Just thought if you could mm-hmm. comment on that real quick, which please, Rich. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> so. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed the question there. There was a I little bit of drop to, off. I just wanted you to comment on the fact that Tennessee even has a mandated school requirement of learning about the Holocaust. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a that is a uh, that's a testament to the common Tennessean. Uh, the common Tennessean wants knowledge and wants to acknowledge historical events, and they want their children to grow up learning about uh, those things so that um, uh, you know so they're better prepared for the world. I, I fundamentally believe that people are good, and I believe that these parents in McMinn County were well-intentioned, and I'm certain that the school board thought it was doing a good thing. Um, I think they kind of accomplished the opposite, uh, and I think that's evident in the fact that it is codified in the um, in the schools, the state's school curriculum, that we have to study the Holocaust. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a contradiction um, here with, uh, you know, with the, the State Board of Education having that requirement and then McMinn County Schools choosing to ban the book. But this is a larger problem that has spouted up in Tennessee and probably other areas as well. But in Tennessee, in the last, you know, four to five years, um, uh, there's been a shift to uh, a lot more homeschooling uh, rather than sending kids to traditional schools. And parents are, uh, when they send their kids to high school and you know late middle school age, uh, the parents who have homeschooled them during elementary school are accustomed to completely controlling the curriculum that they present to their children, which causes uh, tension between the teachers and the parents. Uh, I firmly believe that parents should have knowledge and influence over their children's educations, but I don't think that parents should control their children's educations. The purpose of education is to expose you to ideas and concepts and, and cultures that may not and probably don't agree with your traditional upbringing, and that's okay. Um, that's the purpose of education. That's how we grow as a people. Um, so I, I think we're seeing uh, we're seeing too few people have far too much influence over the curriculum, and it makes it makes the lives on our teachers here in Tennessee incredibly difficult because they have to spend hours and hours and hours off off the clock putting together these individualized lesson plans for every single student in the class because this student can't learn about this and mom doesn't want this student learning about that. And it just causes this big confusion. And so again, motivated by that, I think these four or five parents in McMinn County, they made a complaint. The school board just didn't want to deal with it. So they kind of, you know, kicked the can and said, we'll just, uh, we'll just ban the book and that'll be it. Uh Did they suggest a replacement book? Rich? They have promised to um, uh, to include a replacement book. They, ha- uh, to my knowledge, they have not announced that book yet. Um, and you know, anything that they anything that they find is going to be more offensive than Mouse because the Holocaust is an incredibly offensive atrocity. It is one of, if not the most evil acts committed by human beings in our history, at least our modern history, for sure. And Mouse presents it in such a way. I mean, we have anthropomorphic mice and anthropomorphic cats. Um, Art Spiegelman's art is, you know, it's very simple, not not, not in a negative way. It's just very simple and easy to understand. It's not a really complex um, layout to the book and the, the words that they, uh, that they found objectionable, uh, it was the word damn. 
And that's now you can hear that on PG-13 television every single night. That word is not considered offensive anymore. Yeah, you didn't, and the you, panel you, you, didn't, the, you didn't get bleeped out when we just said it now. So exactly. I was allowed to say it on the radio. <laughs> So and then the the panel with the with the nude woman that they complained about, it was not a sexualized image. It was a it was a woman who who committed suicide, which, you know, uh, some people believe or miss uh, think that, um, you know, that the Holocaust ended on uh, on January 12th, 1945, when we liberated Auschwitz. Well, it didn't. You know, these people had to these survivors they had to live with that trauma. They carried it with them their whole lives. And sadly, a lot of them, you know, carried it for a lot shorter time than others because they chose to end their own lives rather than deal with the horrors. Um, of, well, now we would understand it to be PTSD. Back then, they may not have known what it was at all. Okay, indeed. Okay, so now, Kenridge, you, this happens, it happens in the next county over, and, uh, you seize the bloody pulpit and describe to our listeners what what did you do and why did you do it? So the first thing, my, my first reaction was anger, um, just at, just as an American um, and seeing art and literature censored. The concept of banning a book just offends me to my very core because I think it's antithetical to everything it means to be an American. You know, we don't ban books here. We don't suppress art. We don't silence uh, free speech. That's just not what we do. So at first I was very angry. And so I, I sat down and I finished my breakfast and I got to thinking about it. And I was, you can't counter hate with hate. You can't counter ignorance with ignorance. You have to counter hate with love and ignorance with knowledge. So I immediately reached out to my business partners, uh, Grant Mitchell and Jasmine Mitchell. And I said, I want to give away mouse to any student who comes in and requests it. And my idea would be in the beginning, this is going to be, we had 10 copies of the book on our shelves. We keep 10 at all times. And I, I was thinking we take these 10, we'd loan them out like a library and that would be, it. it'd be a little small thing here in Knoxville and no big deal, but we would do what little we could to help. And, uh, somehow that just caught fire on social media. Uh, you know, celebrities were tweeting about it. Uh, people with, you know, tens of thousands of followers on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, were all tweeting about it. And so people started contacting us wanting to wanting to help so we decided this is getting bigger than we can handle on our own so we uh, partnered up with uh, gofundme uh, to create um, a fund for people to make donations so that we could uh, give these books away uh, to any student who wanted them um, and gofundme is very transparent it's very easy for people to follow where the money goes and that was important to us because uh, you know, we want it. We, if you're supporting this effort, we want you to know that the money is going to uh, the cause that you wanted it to go to. Um, so GoFundMe has been great to work with on that. And um, again, we thought it was going to be small, like maybe just Tennessee. And we were expecting to raise maybe $10,000. And uh, that would be that. But uh, it just keeps going. The train just keeps moving. Um, you know, we're up over $100,000 and we're uh, negotiating uh, with our distributor, Penguin Random House, to buy copies of the hardcover complete mouse in bulk, um, you know, because we're we're probably 
uh, we're probably going to be between 1,000 and 1,500 uh, copies of the book sent to students all over the country um, that want to read it. We're giving pr uh, priority to students here in Tennessee, um, but then after that, um, you know, we'll, we'll start sending them out to, um, to anyone who requests them. Okay, that's, that's pretty, pretty incredible. How long do you think it'll be that this, all these orders are, are filled? How long is this going to take you? Um, it's going to be, it's going to be at least a month. I mean, that would be very aggressive. Um, but we'll probably be at this for two or three months, maybe more, uh, just simply we're waiting on the books from the, just, we bought out every copy, uh, that Penguin Random House had left. Um, you know, I, I was on the phone with my rep and, you know, and once we got up to a thousand copies and, and change, he was like, okay, that's it. But we've got more coming in. So We've got those thousand on the way. They should probably be here today or tomorrow. Um, and then after that, we'll probably have to get uh, close to a thousand more uh, because people just keep asking for this book. Um, and I, it, it, it makes me so happy to know that all of these, all of these kids and all of these parents are going to um, going to read this book together. We're also including a 10 page study guide uh, that was created by a local teacher uh, here in Knoxville named Heather Green. Um, and so that, um, that study guide will help parents understand uh, and, and be able to discuss the, the things depicted in mouse with their children, which that is the, in my opinion, that is what education means. You, you look at a controversial, difficult subject that challenges you, and then you discuss it with peers and you discuss it with teachers and you discuss it with your parents and you form an understanding of what it was. You know, you don't have to believe the book as it's written and just you know, memorize this date, that time, this action. You know, by discussion and through real education, you learn to understand the why more than the what, because why is far more important than what, when or where. That's an absolutely incredible. So if people want to participate in the GoFundMe or if people would like to get a copy, I'll be in, put in the, the list. So I guess it's, it's mm -hmm. two different addresses that people should be aware of then, Ken. Could you give those to us? Yeah. So um, if you would like to contribute, um, all you've got to do is go to GoFundMe.com and uh, just search for Project Mouse, uh, spelled M-A-U-S. Um, we're also on the front page of GoFundMe right now, so we're very easy to find. Uh, GoFundMe has been a great fundraising partner um, in this effort. They've been great to work with, and uh, they're promoting it, and they're providing wonderful transparency. So highly recommend GoFundMe. Um, it's just Project Mouse. Uh, if you would like to request a copy of the book, we do have an extensive wait list right now, but we are still adding to it, and we're going to send a book to everybody who, go, who gets on that list. Um, so you can go to either our Instagram, our Facebook, or our website. Um, it's just NirvanaComicsKnoxville.com or on Twitter and all that. It's just NirvanaComicsKnoxville. And um, you can just send us a message and someone will eventually get back to you. Uh, we, uh, you can also call the store. Um, we've actually had to bring in um, four uh, volunteers and part-time employees just to answer the phones and just to respond to messages. Um, our, our phone has been ringing constantly um, ever since we, uh, we launched this initiative.
Okay, that's great for Nirvana Comics, then I guess. Okay, it is. It's great for it's great for Tennessee. It's great for people who support free speech and the free expression of art. It it, it goes to show you that even though you know you might live in an area uh, that's a little more um, uh, a little more conservative and a little more. Uh, a little less motivated to teach things like this. Um, it, it's it's heartening to know that there are so many people out there that that do see the value in uh, sharing a book like Mouse uh, with students. Uh, did you get any negative backlash from it, like from some from the five parents that say you objected? Anybody object to what you're doing, Cambridge? You know, no. Actually, is the that's the insane part. Um, we were very concerned um, in the beginning because, uh, you know, East Tennessee is home to a, a large number of white supremacist groups. Um, so they're not here in Knoxville, but they're in the nearby rural areas. So we were anticipating some trouble from those folks. Um, and it never came. So um, we've not had much resistance. Uh, we've had a few people on our social media who, um, uh, you know, who are challenging whether the book was actually banned or, you know, it's the whole, this whole weird fake news concept where, I mean, it, it's just an example of we're living in a post-truth world um, and the truth doesn't mean what the truth used to. But, uh, but those people have been the, uh, extreme minority uh, of the responses we've had. It's been overwhelmingly positive. And um, we've had we've had children and grandchildren of Holocaust survivors calling the store and sharing their stories. And I mean, it, it, it's it's heartbreaking to hear those stories, but it's also um, it's also wonderful to be able to help those people and to relate to them um, and uh, to be able to, to, to share um, what was an unfortunate common experience for, uh, for most Jewish people. Um, so, you know, we can kind of share that burden with them. And it's, it, it's a, it's been, it's been a really wonderful experience in that regard. I hate that we have to do this, but I'm very happy with the way that it's working out. Okay, final question because we are running, we're 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 over to on this over past time on this one. Did Art Spiegelman get in touch with you by any chance? Uh, we have been in contact with Mr. Spiegelman's um, management at the Barclay Agency. Uh, we are hoping to arrange for a um, a live Zoom panel in our store um, that would then also be live streamed on our social media. Uh, but we've, uh, we've not heard anything from Mr. Spiegelman directly. Um, and if we don't, that that's fine. We, we're not doing this for publicity or anything, but, um, but it would be wonderfully beneficial to the people of Knoxville to be able to hear from him, uh, directly and uh, just to be able to, to hear his perspectives. Okay. That's great. Our guest today has been Rich Davis. He's the proprietor of Nirvana Comics in Knoxville, Tennessee. He is part of the Pro Mouse, it's M-A-U-S, the Art Spiegelman book about the Holocaust. It's basically his father's, Spiegelman's father's memoirs done in a graphic novel back in, I believe, 1993 is when it was finally published. And uh, if people want to get in touch with uh, Mr. Davis, so that's nirvanacomics.com. If you want to participate in the GoFundMe, so that's GoFundMe, and then look for Project Mouse. We want to thank you so much, and uh, this has been very inspirational, Rich. 
Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure. Okay, take care. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herschel Finman, here you're listening to the Jewish Hour. That that is very inspirational. It's like, you know, take a negative and turn it into a positive. That seems to be like the way to do things. Speaking of positive, upcoming up next for your listening pleasure, this is Cerule Broncher. We played some stuff at his before. The song is called Let Go. <laughs> Let Go by Shirley Broncher. Up next, for all those klezmer aficionados and those people who bug me when I don't play klezmer, this group is a new group. It's called 
They're, they're from somewhere in Europe, um, maybe Hungary, maybe Slovenia. I didn't exactly, couldn't figure it out because it was all in a foreign language, which I am unfamiliar with, with which I am unfamiliar. And the group is called The Sound of Klezmer, and the song is called Freilux, and Freilux means very happy, and happy is what you're supposed to be because this is the month of Adar when we increase in being happy. Let's listen. We all know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. 
Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. That's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Herschel Feminine here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Up next for your listening pleasure, somebody turned me on to this guy. He's been around for a while, but I hadn't hadn't heard about him. I don't know everything, and I thought I had my finger on the pulse, but this one kind of slipped under by me. The artist's name is Joe Buchanan. He is a he was a country western artist for all of his life. And somewhere in middle age, he decided that from Texas, and he somewhere in the middle age, he decided that he wanted to become Jewish. So he became Jewish. So he's not just like the singing cowboy. This this guy's the real deal. <laughs> Country Western first, and then puts the Jewish twist on it. Listen, this is Joe Buchanan doing Eighth Chaim. The Torah is the tree of life. Well, come on back to Father's truth and return. To the holy root well, Come on back To the wisdom of home And realize That you're not alone Shine your light Like your mother said That you were there And we were led And there's a path For us all to see and Grab that lamp It's at your feet
Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. The portion of the week is Titzavah, which is found in Exodus 27 and following. Also this week is Purim Katan. Purim Katan is called Purim Katan, which means the small Purim, because had this not been a leap year, we would be celebrating Purim. But Purim is generally pre-spring, and we're still in, <laughs> we're in the heart of winter. This is not pre-spring. At all. I mean, it has snowed on Purim. Yeah, but that's, it's, it's not Purim time yet. And uh, to facilitate that Pesach, Passover, should actually be in the spring. So the rabbis calculated a long time ago under, I suppose, the exegesis of Moses and God to add an extra month every once in a while. Every two, three, four years, they throw in another month. And then Passover gets pushed past the spring equinox, which is where it's meant to be. So what do we do on Purim Cotton? Nothing. If you want, you can eat a hamantash. That'd be a cool thing. One of those little traditional Purim cookies, which uh, if living in Detroit, I do have to give a shout out that there there's some really good hamantash over here. I'm not going to tell you which bakery it is, but one of the bakeries because they don't, they're not a sponsor. One of the bakeries has like the best home option in the world. You just have to go check them all out and see which one it is. My favorite is the poppy seed. And if it's not poppy seed, it's not a hummantosh. Simple as that. But Purim Cutting's not so cutting. It's not so small. And indeed, the you could say that in a in a minor fashion, the same thing that's happening that happens spiritually on. Purim is happening on Purim Katan. And there is an inherent connection between this week's coming up Parsha of Tetzaveh and Purim Katan. Because the beginning of Purim Katan, the beginning of Tetzaveh, starts with the idea of making menorah oil, the olive oil, which was made in a very special manner. It was all hand-crushed. This idea of crushed is the word we're going to we're going to focus on in order to get out the finest oil. What they would do is they have this thing like a garlic press and they would put an olive into it. And these were the finest olives and they would give a, and one drop of oil, totally completely sediment free would come out of this. It took a lot of oil to make a 56 ounce jar of olive oil, a lot of olives, but it was absolutely perfectly pure, so that it burned absolutely, absolutely pure. What happened on Purim? 
On Purim, the Jews became laissez-faire. God doesn't like it when people get lackadaisical in their observance. They they had it good in Persia. They had three chariot garages. There, the women were wearing haute couture, and they were eating like great stuff. They had yeshivas all over the place. I mean, you're talking the Babylonian yeshivas. These are the formulators of Jewish oral tradition. This is this is heavy hitters over here. The men of the great assembly. <laughs> it, Jews had it very good, materially and spiritually, which led them to think, eh, I, could, I could cut a corner here, I could scrimp over here, I could you know, not do this today, I don't feel like going to synagogue today. You know, this, this kind of stuff. I'm too busy. Oh, that's the worst. I'm too busy to do something Jewish. Ah, don't even go there. So what, what happened? Came along an adversary, Haman, boo, who decided, you know what, I'm going to wipe out all the Jews. It's an interesting thing. Haman was interesting in wiping out Jews. If anybody said, I'm not Jewish, then they dedicated themselves to Zoroastrianism, which was the state religion of Persia at the time. They were would have been spared. He wasn't like his, uh, <laughs> Haman was not like his progeny, like the guy who lived in Germany in 1940-something who was looking at ethnic and and uh, and uh, genetic Judaism. He was looking at cultural Judaism, people practicing Judaism. If a person said, I'm not, okay, you're, out, you're, you're not, I'm not going to touch you. Not one person took that option. Not one person said, oh, I'm going to go the easy route. Nope. Everybody, with the help of Mordechai, who was the Moses of his generation, and there's a Mordechai and a Moses inside every one of us that says, we've got to do the Jewish thing. We've got to do it right. But thank God it doesn't have to happen that we have to be exposed to a situation of annihilation for this to come out. We could bring it out ourselves naturally because it's a natural inherent thing. A Jew loves God. There's an old Yiddish expression, a Jew, not he can nor does he want to be separated from God. We are going to take a quick commercial break and be right back with the Hasidic story. It's a poor one. I've never told this one before. Don't go away. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Hi, this is Spex Howard. The Spex Howard School of Media Arts is proud to have been a sponsor of the Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding comes from its sponsors, listeners like you help keep the Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to the Jewish Hour 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. That's 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Your help is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Want to get in touch with me? Best way, go to my website, rabbifinman.com. If you're listening to the podcast, then you're already at Rabbi Finman, but... Maybe I should ask my web my webmaster if uh, there's a way that you can kind of like keep the thing going while you flip around to other parts of it. Right now, if you flip off the page and you go to the like the donations page, which is what I'm trying to get to go to right now, you're gonna lose it. And I think you're gonna have to like go back to the beginning of the show and then just speed it up 30 seconds at a time, which is a pain and a bother. So if you're listening at RabbiFinman.com, don't <laughs> stay tuned for the next four minutes and then go to the donations page. 
But what else is on the RabbiFinman.com? We've got archived editions of the show. We've got ways in which we convey Judaism in an, an entertaining and hopefully educational way. And there is a donations page. We are, thank God, done with November. It's, it's We had this problem a couple of years ago. We were like three months behind and always paying off the third month. And some we need somebody to step up to the plate and say, you know what, we're going to contribute to the Jewish Hour. And you've been listening now for 51 minutes and you've enjoyed it. So go to two the rabbifinman.com and go to the donations page and make a donation small big it's all good make it a regular donation by clicking in paypal account and it happens automatically every month you don't even have to think about it and you still get the command you fulfill the commandment of giving tzedakah of giving charity it's a wonderful thing it's like it's all good you can do you can do something and not even know you're doing it and it's a really still a good thing don't like internet Credit card transactions understood. Send your donation in any amount to The Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. And of course, we're at the beginning of February. If we get paid, if we pay off December, January, and February, before the end of February, I don't make the appeal. This is the, this is the, uh, that's the rule. And then you get a longer story. Speaking of the story, so it happened in the town of Berdichev, which is located many miles east of Gross Point Farms, actually the center of Poland. And the great leader there of Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev, it was Purim night. And the day before Purim, it is customary to fast, to commemorate the fast that Esther fasted before she went in to see Ahasuerus, the king, to request that the decree against her people be annulled. So we fast. So everybody's fasting. And we eat only once the Megillah has been read. So people are standing around waiting, and they're waiting and waiting. And where's the rabbi? The rabbi is the one who actually read this, read who read the Book of Esther. Where's the rabbi? Where's the rabbi? Some time went by, and eventually he showed up and he read the Megillah with tremendous joy, like such that people have never seen. What happened? That afternoon, a woman came to the Rebbe. She was trying to make some uh, Purim meal, and her husband was very sick, and so she brought a chicken, and there was a question about its kosher. Chicken, in order to be kosher, an animal for it to be kosher, it it must be healthy inside. And if there's a problem, the chicken is disqualified. The animal's disqualified, and this is a big part of more than just the way that it's slaughtered properly. A big part is, is this animal healthy? And they look for all kinds of things inside. It's a whole science. And he took a look at the chicken and he said, I'm sorry, it's not healthy. It's not kosher. And usually what happened is, is that it would be sold for pennies to a non-Jew because a non-Jew, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with a chicken you can't use? You want to make fertilizer out of it. So this woman was down. She said, this is the, we scraped together all the money that we had. And my husband, I'm hoping to get him a little bit for chicken soup, which would make him feel better. And my kids are starving. We don't have anything to eat. And I don't know what's going to do. And the rabbi said to her, go into the synagogue and listen to the Megillah. And the Almighty will for sure help. There's many millions of people in the world that God feeds every day. He will feed you too. And she went into the synagogue. He, Levi Yitzhak, it was very interesting how he had his house. His house was set up such that if you walked out one door of his study, you walked into his house. If you walked out another door, you walked into the synagogue. 
So she walked out the out out of the door. He went the other way. He went into the kitchen. He saw all the stuff that his wife had made to break the fast, and he took it and he took a white tablecloth and he put it all together. He packed it all up. He marched to the edge of town where this woman's house was. The door, of course, was unlocked because they probably didn't have locks because, as I said, they <laughs> they didn't have anything to steal. He walks in. The husband, who was like so weak, is in bed. He says to her, whatever calls her name, is that you? And he said, no, it's just Shalach Manas from heaven. It's a, a gift of food to the poor. And the uh, he gave, uh, he put this thing up, put the, laid the whole thing out. And then he went back. And then it got, word got out. People kind of like put two and two together what had happened. And so... Everybody made sure that day to send Mashallah Manas to this poor family. And I guess when the story goes, they all lived happy liver after. At least they were fed for a while. That's going to do it for us. We hope you had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. Eat a hamantash this week. We'll see you again next week. Take care. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.